Amen. Today is special. You get to hear not just from one person, but from a few different people, just sharing a little bit of stories of the word of what God is doing in our lives. And so this morning, I think a lot of you know Derek Hubbard. It's good to be with you today. Good to be here. Question for you is, something happened this week. Something went on every night around 7 p.m. What was that? So we had like a spiritual week of prayer. Everybody got on Zoom. And I mean, just to say it was a week of prayer is kind of only a half truth because truly I saw the Holy Spirit move. Mm -hmm. Um, I know I was on the original plan, the, the planning team, right? And so we kind of, it was touch and go for a little bit, right? We weren't sure exactly how things, but God truly came through. Amen. Amen. It was. It was interesting, right? All of us figuring out, some people figuring out Zoom and getting everything mm-hmm. worked out. But Derek, I know that you work in the medical field. I know that you have some long days. You come home, you're pretty tired, mm-hmm. and you have a lot of things going on. So why did you choose to be there every night for a week? Um, number one, it was a, I don't want to say sacrifice, but it was an opportunity for me to really kind of stretch my, my faith muscle, you know? And also being a prayer facilitator, I had an awesome opportunity to follow up with people in the groups. And so I could see kind of how God was moving in their lives as long as, as well as with mine. Mm-hmm. So it was a whole, a whole experience. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk a little bit more in a minute about our theme, Letters from God. We're going through the seven letters to the churches in Revelation. And you can see it up there if you're watching online, Letters from God. But is there anything you heard? We had seven seven different letters. Is there anything that God spoke to you through personally, or how were you impacted this week? Well, I'm glad you asked because just kind of highlighted a couple verses that really spoke to me specifically. Um... Because, again, we went over several of the churches, right, all of the churches. And so the, the one that spoke to me a lot was the idea of closed doors and open doors in the mm-hmm. Church of Philadelphia. And so just in my own personal life, I've seen God open doors through this pandemic, which is interesting because it's a pandemic. But he's opened doors and he's closed doors as well. And it's just been very powerful to see that in my own life. Mm, amen. Thank you for sharing. Absolutely. And just hearing it. I think a lot of us may be experiencing different parts of these and those open and closed doors can definitely hear more. So thank you, Derek, for being a part of it. Thank you for your investment and each person who's been here. We're going to continue through this journey this morning of songs. We're so grateful for everyone here and you'll hear more testimonies soon. Take me back, take me back, dear Lord, to the place where I first received you. Take me back, take me back, dear Lord, where I first believed. Take me back, dear Lord, to the place where I first received you. Take me back, take me back, dear Lord, where I first believed. I feel that I'm so far 
believed. Where do you go in your mind and you think, take me back? We spent some time on Monday night with our week of prayer, our first night, looking at a church called Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2 that had forgotten its first love. I think, take me back. I think of my parents going back this is a very different time. Now, maybe if, if you want to catch up with someone, there's different ways, right? You might text them. You might, as we would say, my generation slide into their DMs. But my parents wrote letters. They were in that generation. And when you go back, my mom has boxes of all these letters from my dad to her through years of just being friends. And you can see the progression, dear April, da-da-da, and they would write, right? Some of you may have done that. Maybe you wrote letters to the special people in your life. And it's funny to see the progression. Your friend Dawn, 
your friend Don, dear April, your friend Don, and then slowly it started changing, right? And then now they've been married over 30 years. But this past week, we spent some time looking at Jesus's love letter to us. Really, the whole entire Bible is Jesus's love letter extended. But we spent some time in Revelation. Last Saturday, if you were here, we started in Revelation chapter one. We saw Jesus, who he is, how he's walking among his church. And then, all throughout the week, we've been unpacking his messages. We started off in Ephesus, we went to Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and ended last night with Laodicea. And we found that each one of these letters, there are some similarities. Just like that dear April and your friend Don, there are some things that you can see again and again that Jesus repeats. There are some themes and some things that build. And I don't want to take too long because I want to save time for one more story. But if you have your Bibles, do a quick tour with me in Revelation chapters 2 and 3. There are several things that stand out to me as I look over these red letters. Each one, Jesus starts out the same way to the angel of the church, to the messenger of the church. This is a message, first of all, to the leader and then for the whole church. And then Jesus always says, these are the words of him who, and he follows. The first one, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. The God who holds us close, the God who walks with us. The next church, the first and the last who died and came to life again. This is Jesus who rose from the grave. The next one, the one who has a sharp double-edged sword. Jesus says, I am the word of God, this is who I am. The Thyatira, Jesus says, my eyes, these are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire, oh, because he sees everything, whose feet are like burnished bronze. He's walked through every trial. Sardis, the one who holds the sevenfold spirit of God and the seven stars. He starts telling us about the Holy Spirit. Philadelphia, these are the words of him who is holy and true who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. The one who holds our times, like Derek was sharing, those doors that open and close, sometimes it's hard. Jesus is over all of that. And the last one, these are the words of the amen. Wow, what does amen mean? So let it be. The faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. And something we found as we've looked through these this week is that every church, just like we today, had things that were going well and things that were challenging. And Jesus always said, I know. I see you today and I know you. I see your heart. I see what you're struggling with. I see the journey that you're walking through. I know. I get it. I've walked it. I see you. But every time that Jesus identifies himself, it's always exactly what that church needs. He says, before I even share more, I'm going to tell you that I am the answer to every single problem that you have. There are several other things that he does continuously throughout these letters, but he always closes them the same way. If you have your Bibles open, see if you can find it. You can find it first in Revelation chapter 2-7. You can see it again in verse 11, again in verse 17. What does Jesus say? depending on your translation, he who has an ear, whoever has an ear, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. 
Every single time Jesus says, hey, I'm saying something. The Holy Spirit is speaking right now and are we listening? Are we listening right now as a church? And then every time he closes to the one who overcomes, I have a promise for you. And Pastor Sonia led us through this week kind of unpacking those promises and each one is a powerful visual. We found out that we are loved, that we are royalty, that we're chosen Pergamum, that, that we are saved Thyatira, Philadelphia, that we are, let me come back to that one. Oh, the last one, that we are favored. And Jesus says, I'm going to give you the right to sit on my throne. I'm going to, to give you the morning star. But one last thing I want to bring up before we hear another song and, and hear from another story. There's a progression of something that Jesus says continually through these letters. And I'm curious if you can find it wherever you are looking through Revelation chapters 2 and 3. Jesus talks about where he is. So where is Jesus in Revelation chapter 2 as he's telling us this letter? Well, he says, I will come to you if you do not repent. We're here in verse 5. I will come to you. Okay. This is interesting for us because we talk about Jesus coming soon, right? Next church, he doesn't really mention it as much. The next church, Pergamum, I'm starting in verse 12 here of Revelation chapter 2. See if you can find it. Verse 16, I will soon come to you. I will come, I will soon come. Okay, we go on to the next church. Where is Jesus? Hold on to what you have, verse 25, until I come. I come. Next church, chapter 3, where is Jesus? See if you can find it. Search in your Bibles. Verse 3, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief. I will come. Go on to, ch to chapter 3, verse 7, the angel of the church of Philadelphia. Jesus keeps talking. I will keep you from the hour of trial. Verse 11, I am coming soon. Do you see the progression here? Just like my parents, your friend Don, all the way eventually to love Don, that's my dad's name. Come to chapter 3, starting in verse 14. How does Jesus address this last church? And we can find ourselves in each one of these churches in different ways. But we especially can relate, I know that I can, to the church of Laodicea. What does Jesus say? Where is Jesus? Look at verse 20. Jesus has been saying all along, I am coming, I'm coming soon, I will come. But in verse 20, Jesus says, guess what? Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. These letters build. These are Jesus' love letters saying, wake up, I'm here, I'm speaking to you. I'm coming, I'm coming soon, hold on. But now to our church today, he says, guess what? It's not just that I'm coming soon anymore. I've been saying that. I'm here. I'm right here waiting at the door, knocking. And Jesus is inviting us to not only take in and receive these letters, but to respond back to him. How do we respond? How do we respond to God's love letter right now? We're going to hear in just a minute my friend Tamika share a little bit of how God has been calling her all throughout this time. But I invite you to start thinking about that as we continue in song.
Revive us, O Lord. Really, as you look through these seven letters, that is the message that comes through loud and clear again and again. Revive us, O Lord. And as we look through them this week, I think we can all discover that there's a little bit of Ephesus in all of us. Maybe we need to to come back to our first love with Jesus. Maybe there's a little bit of Sardis. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die. Maybe there's a little bit of Smyrna. We're struggling, just hold on to what you have. Philadelphia, like Derek mentioned, each letter we can see ourselves in. And we see that Jesus is speaking to each one of us personally. We always talk about Laodicea, and it is true. That is especially the the time that corresponds to what we're living in. But we've had a challenge for each night, and I'm here this morning with my good friend, Tamika Lisiaga, and we were talking this week, actually we did lunch together, and we were doing one of the challenges, weren't we, was to share kind of where we're at in our spiritual journey and to pray for each other, and that was really good because she shared and I shared, and it was just a real moment. Um, But Tamika, you shared some things that day that to me were very powerful, and it just really pointed me to Jesus and, and gave me a picture of who he is and what he's doing. And I know that you've had some things you've been thinking about all throughout this week. So would you share with us, what is Jesus doing in your life? How has he been speaking to you through these letters? So the week of prayer has been such a blessing for me. Um, to be quite honest, I thought about it um, and almost wanted to halfway through say, you know, I don't have time for this. Um, it's every night, it's an hour long, it's in the middle of the week, I'm working. Um, But I'm just really glad that Jesus tugged on my heart and said, go. Um, And so the whole week has been good. Through the themes, um, through the theme song, Jesus speak to us. um, And I really felt that Jesus did that um, through me through this week of prayer. So there was a series of challenges each night. um, And I wanna start with Tuesday in particular. So Tuesday's challenge was, Ask God to reveal to you any message or voices in your life you're listening to that are not from God or simply unnecessary noise. Claim the power of the Holy Spirit to leave them behind. Um, And so I felt like God was like, Tamika, I need to give you an experience instead of just revealing it through the scriptures. Um, Of course, he revealed that through what we were reading, but I also had an experience with it. So Tuesday night, um, I'm sleeping, and it's about... Uh, 12.30 in the morning, and I receive a phone call from a very good friend of mine. She and I have been friends um, for years, um, and she calls and says, I am on Highway 50, and I've got a flat tire. Can you please come get me? And I probably could have been a better friend (laughs) in that moment because I said, could we just split an Uber and pay for you to get home? Um, and she was very upset and actually hung up the phone on me at that moment. And I still proceeded to go back to sleep. Um, but then I woke up a half hour later and felt really bad about, you know, me saying, go get an Uber. So I called her back and I said, hey, where are you? Um, I'm going to come and get you. And she's like, I have it figured out. Don't worry about it. I don't need a ride from you. Um, she's very upset at this point, rightfully so. Um, but 
I still said, no, I'm gonna come and get you because I can hear the cars in the background knowing mm -hmm. she's still probably on the side of the road. So I get in my car and I live a little bit by UCF and I'm not sure if anyone's familiar with the area, but Highway 50, it's on Highway, well, I live close to Highway 50. And if you go further down, eventually you'll get on 520 and end up at 95, almost to Coco. Um, and so I'm searching for her and I'm like, where are you? She refuses to tell me where she is. I end up all the way in Coco, almost to 95. I turn back around thinking, well, she said she was on 520, so I know she's not on 95. So I'm heading back, still searching for her in the middle of the night or the middle of the morning, however you wanna look at it, um, and I can't find her. Finally, I see her car on the side of the road, still a little bit closer, probably a good 20 minutes to, out from where I didn't have to drive, but I still found her car on the side of the road, but she wasn't in it. So I was like, okay, let me keep driving and find her. I'm going about 60 miles an hour and it's been a good three minutes and then I see her walking. And I'm thinking it's the middle of the night, this is dangerous for a woman to be walking, this isn't safe. So I pull up beside her and I'm on the right side of the road and I say, hey, get in the car. You know, at this point it was only about 1.30, it's only an hour since she called. And I said, hey, just get in the car, let's go home. At this point, the drive was probably a good 20 minutes from our home. She lived about 10 minutes from me. But she refused, absolutely refused to get in the car. And I said, it's a little too late, so I'm just gonna follow behind you since you don't wanna get in my car and just make sure you make it home safely. For about an hour, I did this. I really drove behind her as she walked walked home. Um, we saw a gas station and she decided to walk to the gas station. She sat down, I assumed her feet were tired. I pulled up in the parking spot next to her and said, can you please just get in the car? You've made your point. I understand that you're upset, but this is a little ridiculous. Just get in so we can go home. I had to be to work at 4 a.m. Um, and at this point it was about two um, when she pulled into the gas station about 2.30. Um, and she wouldn't get in. And so finally I said, you know, I'm falling asleep. I, I just need to go home. She's not gonna get in the car no matter how much I beg because the whole while, the hour that I was driving behind her, I was calling, yelling from outside the window, please get in the car and she wouldn't do it. So I, I took myself home. And for me, it was a good 15 minute drive going 60 miles an hour. Um, and so I could just imagine the time of the walk that it took her. I texted her around 3 a.m. and said, let me know when you make it home. She texted me about 4.30 and said, I'm home. So had she just gotten in the car, it would have been about a seven minute drive for her to her house. Instead, she chose to make it longer for herself and harder. You know, who wants to walk that late at night? And I promise you, I felt horrible leaving her behind. I really, truly did. But at what point did I say I had to do what was best for me and, and, and go? So as I thought about this the next day, really thinking, did I make the wrong decision? Was I, was I in the wrong for leaving? I felt God saying, this is how I feel. I came to get you guys, I've already come to rescue you, and I do everything in my physical power except for force you against your will to accept me, and all you have to do is choose me. I've already rescued you, you just have to, be cho you just have to choose to be delivered. And it's the same thing with my friend. I was already there, she just chose not to get in the car. 
So how often does that happen with Jesus in our life? And I really felt like that was the analogy he was giving me, saying, all you guys have to do is choose me. This is basically an extraction process. The rescue's already happened. He already died for us. He already saved us. Um, we just have to choose to be delivered. That was just on Tuesday. <laughs> so, wow. You know, so... Um, then, you know, I met with Pastor Julie and she had another challenge where you're supposed to share um, with, your, with whoever about what Jesus has been revealing to you. And I was a little nervous to share with her because she is my pastor. We are friends, though. Um, sharing allows you to be vulnerable. And sometimes that can be a little bit scary, especially when it comes to, to matters with Jesus and being, quite frankly, real. Um, so I shared with her and I said, you know, Pastor Julie, sometimes I feel like I'm having an out-of-body experience where I'm watching the fight for my soul. Like, I am watching God say, you need to leave this behind. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I do, when I say, okay, Jesus, I'm going to listen to you, and I get in my word, and I start praying, and I'm really feeling the Spirit and doing what I'm supposed to do, it's almost as if I'm watching Satan come and say, oh, no, you know, you can't have her. I'm going to bring her down to destruction with me. Um, and so he sends his agent, which I don't want to say is my friend, but it could be in the form of anything. But I do feel there, are, there might be relationships in our lives that, or whatever the case may be, that take us away from Christ. In this instant, it does happen to be this relationship. It takes me away from God. And so I feel as if Jesus and God are wrestling for my soul in this form. And I really saw it that night. And I felt like that's what Jesus was revealing to me. Like, you need to make a decision. You cannot stay lukewarm and on the fence. You know, you cannot be in something that takes your attention from me. And then the next day, come in and read to me and, or spend time with me. Um, you have to be all in with me. Um, and I feel like that's what he was speaking to us about the church of Laodicea, saying we're lukewarm or we're hot or we're cold. Um, and it's funny because he says, I will vomit you out of my mouth. I will vomit you out. There's a difference between being rejected. When you're rejected, you're just saying, you know, no, this isn't happening. But when you're vomiting something, your whole body, you are physically rejecting it with your whole being, with all of you. And so I, I just took that as God is saying, I will reject you with all of me. I'm not sure how you know, clear that is, but that's how I took it. Um, if we stay on the fence and we have to choose, one of the themes was um, invest in eternity. And I feel like God is actively saying, you know, this is an active process. It's not something that happens one time and that's it. It happens daily. We have to daily choose God. We have to daily say, okay, God, I'm going to allow you. I'm going to answer the knock that you're doing to my heart. He stands there and he knocks, but he doesn't force us to accept him. We have to do that. And that's what was really revealed through me to, um, this week, through the week of prayer. Um, I felt that there was three common themes throughout the whole week in every single letter. Um, I saw a call of repentance. I saw um, he, tell, he gave us a promise if we accept to choose him. But he also showed us what happens if we don't choose, if we don't choose him. Um, and then, you know, I want to focus on those things, especially the promises. But one thing that he also told us was, it's not going to be easy. And every single letter, there was encouragement. Um, he told us, you will have trials. This will be hard. But if you hold fast, I will give you this. And some of the examples, just some of the promises, just for encouragement, because it is hard if my phone cooperates. Um, just some of the ones that really stood out th to me through the church of Smyrna. He said, be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Um, the 
church of Thyatira, he says, hold fast what you have till I come, and he who overcomes and keeps my work until the end, him I will give power over the nations. Sardis, he says, he who overcomes will be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life. And what's common there is it says he who overcomes. These challenges we go through, we have to overcome them, but we can do them with Jesus. He's not going to leave us, but we do have to overcome them. And that's what was really communicated to me this week through the week of prayer. Um, And I'm just so thankful for it. And if this is the messages that you guys are going to be preaching on, I'm excited and ready for it. And I just hope that it really speaks to the rest of the church. Um, I feel that, you know, we make fun of it a lot when we see those cars with repent, repent, repent written all over them. Um, These letters, I want to say that that's literally every single, every single letter. Repent was in it. Repent and turn. And so I just feel that God is really saying to the churches, repent and he, I'm coming. I will be here soon. Turn from your ways. I'm coming. And so that's how it really impacted me um, this week. And I'm just really thankful that I didn't just say I'm too tired and that I listened mm-hmm. and um, that it just started through the church. So, Amen. Thank you for Amen. sharing and, and just being honest. First of all, with that story, that's such a crazy story. Yeah. I don't think I would have been as good a friend as you. But it really does it does make me think of Jesus. And, and I appreciate you two just being real about the thing that for you, um, that you can see that Jesus is saying, hey, this is, this is something that's, if, if this is walking towards me, this is something that is not helping you on that path. Mm-hmm. And, and each one of us has something, maybe it's something small, maybe it's something big, but each one of us has that invitation that, that you mentioned here, that Jesus is saying, here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. That he wants a relationship with us. We don't have to do it by ourselves. Praise God, I don't have to figure it out. You don't have to do it. And we want to be praying for you and be praying together to make that decision. But just saying, God, I want to surrender to you. And that's really his call through all these letters is full surrender, to listen to what the Spirit is saying, to let him in and to let him do it. So what does that look like for you? What's your response to Jesus's letter, to Jesus's invitation?